I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players. Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll start with a recap of the Genesis Invitational this past weekend at Riviera, a.k.a. Riv. What a wonderful Sunday. We had John Rahm taking home the title, continuing his scorching hot streak to start off the year. We had Max Homo, Will Zalatoris, Patrick Cantlay, Keith Mitchell in contention. An amazing Sunday. We had controversy on holes number 10, holes number 4, hole number 6 played hard. A lot of fun this week. We'll recap a little bit what happened at Riviera. Looking forward this week, we got the Honda Classic down at PGA National. The field down there doesn't look super impressive, but we got some big names we're watching. And we also got Liv coming with their first event of the year down in Mayakoba. We got a lot of interesting players, new storylines down there, players that joined live late in the year. Maybe we haven't seen them over there. We go around the room as we all use the team selector on livegolf.com to see which team each of us will be rooting for this year. We'll also talk about our golf league kicking off in early April. We got our kickoff email today. We're all jazzed up about it. We'll talk a little bit about what we're looking forward to this year in the league. Thanks, everyone, for being here. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at Big Players Only Pod and check out our Facebook page, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. Lots of new written content coming there day in and day out. Thanks, everyone. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, here we are. A little recap this week. Uh, Genesis Invitational at Riviera, right? A course that we all look forward to. Some controversial holes. We'll get a little bit more into that, but let's talk about our winner, John Rahm. Like, really starting to look like he's becoming maybe the next guy. I think we kind of... Is he, though? I don't know. We kind of thought that about Colin Morikawa after he got hot. I think John Rahm has been consistently good, but he certainly is on a scorcher right now. Uh, he, he outlasts Max Homa, Patrick Cantlay... Will Zalatoris, Keith Mitchell, a good group. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, uh, 20 shots back. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the week. Let me hear your thoughts on Rom specifically and then what you guys thought about Riviera. I think Rom is, in my opinion, fully separated himself from Rory and Scotty as the like the hottest golfer currently on tour. Like Even even at the Waste Management, yeah, Scotty won, but for the most part, Rom was still right there. He'll finish top five, top ten, whatever he did versus you know scotty didn't really do much i think he was definitely outside the top 10 um it looked like 12 under there but he was nine shots back or something like that and then rory was again kind of irrelevant in both the tournaments we've seen him on the pga tour so i think i mean i just watch your tone okay because like he's playing good it's just like you don't always have it all every week which john apparently rom, john rom does i think john well, so like john rom didn't have anything 
two weeks oh, ago. Just because John Rom bitches. Just because he bitches about every shot doesn't mean he doesn't have it, guys. What if we bring Spieth into conversation? <laughs> exactly. Jordan Spieth wins tournaments and he's always pissed off. It's like John Rom still got it, even when it looks like he's like he thinks it's a C game. It's still like a A minus game for everyone else. But I'll yeah, say when one. Rory thinks he has a C game. It looks like his F game. Like it's yeah. Okay, you can take that back later. But <laughs> I think I agree with Rom's on fire right now. Right, I'm not disagreeing with that. I, too, think he is probably the clear number one right now. But I am going to be, like, really intently watching major season this year because I think those are going to be the areas. I think Rom will contend. I got no reason to believe Rom won't, but I'm really expecting, like, the Rom, Scheffler, McElroy thing to be really intense in the majors. I think we're sleeping on Homa, too. I swear every time he's top five on the leaderboard, every time I watch. And maybe maybe doesn't finish and win, but, he, I mean, he's getting some – Top threes. What did he win He's already got a win this yeah, year. He won yeah. one this year. I think Homer could arguably be one of the hotter golfers, too. I think he's four right now. Like, I mean, as far as being hot and then also just consistent play. Yeah, and I think we talked about it last pod, like in terms of somebody to kind of make that jump that could, you know, at some point overtake the number one and join that conversation. I think uh, he's definitely probably the only one that's really in that conversation right now and t- thus far. I mean, we'll see how the range goats play this year, but I think <laughs> I think Max Homer's our clear number four right here. <laughs> Yeah, I think Rom and Homa both have a lot to prove in major season this year. I mean, that's kind of always been the knock on Homa. He hasn't done it in the majors. Rom didn't do anything in the majors last year. You could argue they're the two hottest golfers right now. They showed out this week at Riv, and so it's going to be exciting to see what they can do. You know, Homa's got his homecoming, L.A. Homecoming. Country Club. Homecoming. homecoming, yeah, pun intended. Uh, it, I mean – He's got to be one of the favorites there, so it'll be exciting to see what they can do. I mean, you got Rom, Rory, Scheffler, and Homa. I kind of think they all have their own storyline for needing to prove themselves in the majors this year, right? Rory hasn't won one in eight years. Homa doesn't have one, but should have one, right? Rom, right, only has one, but has been good for six or seven years. And then you got Scotty. Is he like a one-hit wonder, right? I really actually love that. It's like they all kind of have their own storyline. We don't have... Like, I don't think JT has a ton to prove this year. I'd like to see him snag one, but I think he's kind of like, what does he have? He has two now. He so has he's two kind of, PGAs. He hasn't been able to do anything outside yeah. of where his dad was, you know, big up and, you know, big guy there. I know. kind of think, but I kind of think JT is kind of where I expect him. Like, I think maybe JT gets to five majors by the end of his career, but two is pretty good. But these four guys at the top, we kind of expect him, all of them to have more. So they got a lot to prove, I think. I think we're sleeping on Scotty here a little bit. I mean, he hasn't, as always, like he hasn't really played that. <laughs> That much yet this season like yeah rom's been incredible since the start of 2023 but we just saw like i feel like last week was like one of probably like the first or second time maybe third we've seen scotty tee it up this year and he won this week i think he had another good performance like i think we need to give him a chance a little bit to kind of get back to form like he did last year yeah it just kind of to me it just feels that like Rom is dominant. Scotty is like occasionally hot at a tournament and like you, you kind of forget about him. Then he's just all of a sudden wins the tournament kind of thing is what I feel like versus Rom is always 15 under in every tournament he's playing in kind of thing. I think you got Rom and Homa like in one hand and you got Rory and Scotty in the other, right? You got Rom and Homa who just, it seems like week in, week out the past two months, they've just been always up on the leaderboard. But you got the sleeping giants and Rory and Scotty who like, I don't know, one week it starts to all click and nobody's going to catch him, right? I like that. Like, Scotty's floor is just so high right now. Agreed. Like, top 10 is the worst he's going to do, like, going forward. It, I mean, that's kind of what it looks like on paper. The Scotty way or Rom? Trended. Scotty. Okay. I mean, we, we don't talk about him at all. And his last, you know, t- 
tied for 12th, win, tied for 11th, tied for 7th, 2nd, tied for 9th, tied for 3rd. I mean, it's just ridiculous how That's consistent he is. And yet, you know, he's nowhere near in the the tier that Rom is right now. Yeah, well, isn't, wasn't Rom's last, like, 10 starts, like, five wins in various, like, tours? Yeah, I think, I don't know the exact numbers, but Rom's run right now is, like, historic. I mean, up there, Tiger-esque. I mean, obviously, we're not talking majors, but just the dominance that he's kind of put out there. Yeah, so, I, I, I have some stats here for you, tweeted out by <clears throat> Kyle Porter. Uh, in John Rahm's first 60 days of 2023, he's been top seven in all of his starts. He's had three wins. He's 93 under par. His scoring average is 67.1. He's beat or tied 601 players. That's 98% of the people he's played against. And he's nine, earned $9 million. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I don't know. I don't think it's going to, I don't think John Rahm's going anywhere, but I think he is scorching hot right now. Like, I think it's going to calm down a little bit. I mean, I feel still expect to see John contend at a lot of majors this year, but he can't keep winning and playing at this pace. It's it's super unsustainable. We said that about Tiger Woods probably at some point, too. I mean, maybe. (laughs) That's the kid, dude. And I think. Uh, Yes, this is an incredible run, but we are still so early in the season. Like, that's true. We kind of. In my mind, I kind of break the season down by, like, the majors. So, like, we haven't even gotten to the first major yet. So, I, I don't want to hammer the point home that, like, these guys need to kind of win majors to prove themselves. But, I mean, by August, we might look back and, like, not even remember, like, how good John Rahm was at the beginning. Similar to Scotty Sheffer last year. Yeah. Scotty's last year over on a resume was outstanding. But it felt like in the second half or somewhere between maybe – what is it like maybe early May to August? It was like, we know Scotty's around, but he hasn't won. He hasn't maybe been top three. That could happen to Rom or it could stay scorching hot. I don't know. So let's get to the course. So we, there's been a lot of controversy. Anyone that watched the coverage, hole number 10 at Riviera, right, is this drivable anywhere from maybe 290 to the front, 330 to the back, par four. The T-box, the T-box kind of sits back and to the right to a green that kind of pitches away from them. So the players were hitting anywhere from iron off the tee to hit wedge in, hitting three wood to the front of the green, and some even going at it with driver. But it was pretty obvious that this hole was playing borderline impossible. Now, you're not going to get a lot of empathy from me because these guys are the best players in the world, so I think something being borderline impossible is just part of the game. But there was definitely instances where people were hitting shots that looked perfect and were not being rewarded. So what are you guys' thoughts on the hole? And, uh, you know, anything else about the course this week? I think anyone that's complaining about that hole needs to just shut the hell up, personally. Like, there are so many different options out there in terms of how to play it. Like, you you can lay up and then hit a, like, have the wedge in hand to get the spin you need to actually try to get it to stop. You you can do that way, or you can try to play, you know, the, the risky, risk-reward aspect and be like, all right, I'm going to try to drive it. And, you know, you, you're, you know that. All, every single one of these guys knows that, you know, I could do this and I'm going to get screwed in these bunkers and, you know, have weird lies, but, you know, it's the risk you take. Yeah, I think the people who don't like it and probably the vast majority of the people who don't like it are the players themselves. Yes, some people, like, I know JT lays up 90% of the time on that hole. He's, but, like, literally the only one. But it's, like, it's such a hard second shot in. That green is just, like, a sliver, and it's not, like, it's, you have a very, it's like a coffee table you have to land the ball on when you're when you're hitting it in there. So, it's beneficial to be as close as you possibly can, but the problem is when you drive it up there, it only takes like a three wood for these guys to get it up near the green. You don't know what kind of lie you're going to have. It's not going to, it's, it's, there's a slope there that pushes everything down into the rough. And that chip coming up is probably just as hard as like 120 yard shot in. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's one of those things like 
okay, maybe, maybe par is just a good score on that hole, despite it being that reachable, drivable par four. Is there anything wrong with that being a situation? I think that's fine. No, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I I love the hole, but I think it's one thing to say that like a fan loves watching players play that hole, and another with the players actually playing the hole. Like they probably get frustrated. Like I know Rory blatantly hates it. Has said he hates it. Yeah, well, I think eighty percent of the players that came through there on Sunday were like this. This whole shit. Yeah, I think both things can be very true here because the players they want their good shots to be rewarded, which. 10 doesn't really do that. But at the same time, as fans, we want to see that carnage a little bit. You know, a good shot takes a bad bounce, and now he's looking at a bogey or double. You know, that's that's what we love. That's what makes the U.S. Open so exciting. That's what so, we have to deal with every time we right, go to Yeah, course. so these guys complaining that they hit a great drive and it bounced the wrong way. I mean, it's just, you know. You know, but it played over par on Sunday. It played a tenth of a shot over par, so that's that. a, that's pretty that's pretty damn interesting for a three hundred yard hole. I love that because that makes it like a great like equalizer sort of yeah. thing. Like it, uh, someone comes in there and somehow managed to get their drive to like stick and like, roll, and they get an eagle, and the guy at the top of the leaderboard ends up getting a bogey sort of situation. It's a big swing. It's a, well, that's what happened, right? Rom uh, uh, hooks it left, kind of into the rough, has to chip out very. You don't know, with a lot of fear in his chip, he chips it short, knifes it over the green, and the bunker makes bogey. But then Homa plays the hole. You know, it's a tough hole, but he got him. He got himself into position, hits a pitch up, and makes birdie. Like that's the kind of variance you want to see on a Sunday every single day. Yeah, it's imp- it's incredible. But I think this is what we need more of yep. these these short par fours that bring so much more into the equation that are just difficult. Like you can play it a hundred different ways. And you can make a hundred different mistakes on this hole, and that—that's what's fun. Rather than just, oh, let's just keep lengthening courses, yeah. and you got a bomb driver and the hit long iron. That's not fun to watch. Yeah, sure, it's more difficult for these guys. But I, the only is comment, it more difficult though? The only comment I saw about it was if they were to lengthen it a little bit and then encourage guys to hit driver more and try to go for it, and it brings in that right miss more. Because like I think I only saw like maybe two or three balls to the right on on Sunday. Because you just know you can't miss there. It's a dead, dead spot. You probably got a 20% chance of making par from over there. But when guys are hitting three woods, they can usually control it. But if it's like 340 to the front and you got a chance for a bomber to get up there, they're going to let it loose. It makes the hole more fun. But at that point, then, it makes it a little bit more fair for everyone else because they're all hitting 50, 60-yard wedges in. Yeah, I think the other hole there that drew a lot of controversy was, uh, I forget, four? Like a, a two oh, thirty three, par yeah, three that it was basically impossible to hold the green on a on a shot in and so there's there's a lot of volatility with where your ball lands and what does it do like you know we saw these guys land short roll through the green and so you know those those kinds of holes are always going to kind of draw that that ire from the golf fans or the players especially of like well I had a great shot in there and it didn't end up well that's when I can get more behind is four and that that. <clears throat> aggressively long par three that, you know, they're still using an iron there, but that theoretically should get more, you know, spin on it than a, a right. driver would, would have, and they can't get it to stick. I, I can kind of get behind that because it's it's the shot. It You really only have one option on a par three. You have to go for the green. If you can't, it's impossible to hit. So I, I can kind of get behind that one. Yeah, because when you're going for 10, I think you really understand it's like a 10% play. Like, yeah. I, there's a 10% chance here my ball ends up somewhere I'm really happy with, and 90% chance it doesn't. But on a par three, when you hit the green, it's pretty – and you hit the front of edge of the yeah. green, like within a foot of the fringe, and it doesn't stay on. That's probably – yeah, that's probably bad. But number four, and like all the greens this weekend, but especially by like Saturday, Sunday, when it would hit the – when the ball would hit the green, it sounded like concrete, and that yeah. thing would just scoot off the back. And number three especially, so – 
in order to even have a chance of holding the green, you had to land it short of the green and roll it up. But like that Kakuya, like on the completely Sticky. opposite side of the spectrum, it hits that like grass that's not the green and it just stops. It's talking, talking but Dub's words are coming <laughs> out of his mouth. Hey, listen, you're time. not the grass man. All right. <laughs> right. But it's like, what do you do? What are you supposed to do if you hit it short? It's going to stick. If you hit it on the green, it's going to bounce and roll forever. Like, God, you sound like Rory. Jesus. Literally, no, literally no options for the player, which is great in my mind. You know, I think when you see pros from like 150 yards out into a green that maybe has like a knob that hits away from them, and then you see how much that ball kicks, that's essentially how much the ball would kick when we hit from the fairway on courses like this because of how much more spin these pros can put on the ball. I think it's super super underestimated. From 170 yards, a pro can get a ball to hop and stop on that green. I mean, we would we would have to be hitting it short and rolling it up from anything outside of 150. Yeah, I, I think one thing we can all agree on before we move from this tournament is I, it was great. I mean, this course is so much fun to watch, and it's, it's a true – you know, the course itself kind of has it, – it almost felt like a major, like this tournament. You had all those top names there. It required you to execute shots, and I, I don't know if they finalized it, but I heard talks that it's going to be the 2031 U.S. Open. I mean, having a U.S. Open here would be, like, extremely exciting, the, the, yeah. the way they could make this course play even more difficult. Yeah, I was going to say, imagine how difficult 10 and 4 would be in a U.S. Open environment. Because you can't, like they talked about, you don't make, they don't make that course longer. Like, they've lengthened it a little bit, but they're usually, they're pretty confined with the, the parameters of the course. So, scoring is going to be naturally decent there, but it's like, there's, it's pretty despair. There's, there's a big disparity between, like, the good shots and the bad shots of that course. Because, yeah, they're going to have a lot of really flip wedges into greens because they just don't have the length. But then they start growing that rough up. That course would be, I mean, guys would literally be pitching out sideways because you have zero chance of hitting the green from 100 yards out of the rough. Now, again, before we move on, Dub's talking about, you know, the field. That was such a great field. I think we have to talk about Tiger. Just strictly in the fact of, I I mean, he actually made it all four rounds, didn't seem to be in pain, all that kind of stuff. What do you guys think, and what do you think that means for him throughout the rest of the season? Are we going to see him again? Will we not see him until a major? What we got? I almost don't appreciate the way he played from the standpoint of it gave me hope <laughs> like he actually it's there hit the ball well yeah, it's there he drove the shit out of the ball well he got himself in a little trouble because of that too I yeah. he got himself a new, sp- <laughs> he got him a new sponsor we're not and going there. moving on <laughs> um he drove the ball well. His iron, I mean, he hit some amazing iron shots and was generally pretty consistent hitting the ball well. He just couldn't putt. Yeah. And you know, going in, and he made it all four rounds, and you know, obviously fatigue had to be a little bit of a factor, but he he kind of kept it going. His best round was Saturday. Made a lot of putts, hit a lot of great shots. It he's never going to be in contention every round he plays, but this gave you proof that he can compete yeah. if he makes some putts and things go a little bit differently. Granted, you can say that about anybody, but it it's there. Yeah, and it's. I agree with you. That gives you the hope there. And even though, yeah, he struggled putting, all that kind of stuff, you, you look back, he's never won here anyway. Yeah. So, like, you almost expect him to struggle. You expected him to not make the cut, all that kind of stuff, and then he managed to do it. You then see him at a Augusta or something, you know, that he's played a million times and knows so well. It, it does give you that, that false sense of hope maybe, or maybe it's real hope. I don't know. I think these greens are really difficult too. Like Augusta's greens are like they set the standard for being difficult, but they're the kind of greens that once you play it five, six, seven times, you learn them. But a place like Riv, I think, is just like it gets too unpredictable. So I'd yeah, I wouldn't I would take it like a grain of salt. Like I don't think Tiger's putting looked bad. 
he actually said he didn't putt well, right? So I think it's just like you can't read those greens too well, and he said he didn't putt well. I think he'll he'll, he'll make the transition. But there's one thing that, like, gets me when Tiger plays after injury and then plays decent, and we heard it in the Foley interview. I don't know if it was an interview. It might have been a video I watched on Foley, but he talks about how important a golfer's hands are. And a lot of times amateurs are taught to just keep their hands out of it because we flip and we and we push and like the hands can be a big a big reason why you miss the way you miss, but they're the lifeblood to what you do in the golf swing, right? All the momentum ends up going down to the hands. And you see the pictures and videos from when Tiger was 16 and now when he's 46 and he doesn't have the hip turn and he doesn't have the flexibility, but he's still got those hands. Like that's why I think Tiger can still contend in a major if distance is not going, even though we saw he can hit it far. I just don't know if like sustainable for him because his back's in his, his back and his knees, but his hands still look great. He's still got the touch and I think he can do it. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean the, the eye test, he, he was playing with JT and Rory the first two days, which was like, must watch television. Rock basically. hard. Did he cry at the end of that round? Yeah, it kind of looked like he was. He, he looked at JT, yeah. but there really wasn't anything that made you think like, "Oh, this guy's like washed up." I mean, he just yeah, can't compete. I mean, he hit all the shots those guys did. He just, you know, didn't quite make the same amount of putts. And uh, I mean, it was it was close. You know, I feel like I don't remember, even though I should. But there really is. There's no episode on Tiger in full swing. There's not. No, he doesn't. Like they're talking about him a little. They mentioned his, like, impact. I, I guess he like, just didn't but, play enough. Yeah. I'm good. Have you started watching it, Tyler? No. I, I, I think one of the, yeah, I'm through, like, six episodes. My wife has finished it I all I think one of the, the most pervasive themes of Full Swing is just how much money he's made for all these guys. And yeah. Took it to like, the next level. He took it to a whole other level. And, and I just watched the Fino episode, so it's a little recency bias, but Fino's like, I'm here because of Tiger. Morikawa, Colin, said the same thing. Like, Tiger is the reason I got into golf, and he's the reason I make so much money playing now. Do you think in 30 years kids are going to say that about Liv? <laughs> Liv just opened doors yeah, for golf. The range goats. Like, <laughs> believe me. Hey, can we stop shitting on the range goats? <laughs> that's that's, that's my team. They're inspiring that's my the team. generation. This is, a good, this is a good opportunity for us to talk about the fact that the Honda's being played this week in Southern Florida, and that field is like borderline dumpster fire. Like, it's okay. I'll probably watch a little, uh, but if that top of that leaderboard doesn't have the top five ranked players, it won't be that good to watch. You like, are I, like the top three guys. It's like Sun Jane, Lowry, and Sun Billy Billy's there. I mean, Billy's there. They're not bad, but I'm just saying, if those guys aren't in contention... I like watching all golf, but I probably might find myself watching the Live event this year, this week. So, Whoa. like we talked about, Live, right? More, more events this year, but they picked a perfect week to kick off their season, right? We're in what was start of the Eastern Swing for the PGA Tour. So, all these players that have played five, six, seven weeks in a row from Hawaii all the way to California and Arizona, this is a good time for them to take a break. And it sucks that it's the Honda, and it's probably the reason why Honda's not sponsoring this event next year. They're, they're just done with the PGA Tour. I'm done. But lineup kind of stinks at the Honda. We got first week of Liv and Mayakoba, which ironically used to be a PGA Tour stop and now isn't because of these guys just head, these guys butt heads like range goats. So <laughs> we also need to talk about... They graze. So we're going to talk about Liv Mayakoba, but we're going to talk about... We all did the team finder. If you go on live.livegolf.com, you can take a little 10-question survey, and it tells you which team 
you should be affiliated with or root for. So let's start going through those and tell me guys what you thought. I'm about. so disappointed in my result. I got the high flyers, so I'm there. That's with Kevin. Phil. Not, oh, Phil. No, that's there yeah. with Phil. I checked the one box that said I thought it was pretty cool when people chip in. <laughs> I think I'm there chipping around the greens like I'm Phil. Tell, hey, I think Tully did flop shots. I'm surprised no, they, didn't get, they didn't have flop shots. They had like miraculous saves, long putts, big drives, things like that. And I was like, well, I, I never successfully saved a shot, so I, I like when I drain a long one. Yeah, Phil's not the guy I want to associate myself with now, so. I might have to retake it and send out a new uh, screenshot of who I am. Ironically, I wanted to screenshot the, the team that I got, but I forgot to screenshot it, so I went through the quiz and did the same exact answers. Got a different team. So, uh, <laughs> there's some variance there. Yeah, but, I, I closely align with the uh, Chilean golfers being a, a big torque guy now, so definitely going to be cheering on Mito and, and Joaquin and, and Sebastian Munoz, which is what, Colombia, but you know, still a close neighbor to those. So Tyler's high flyers, so that's Phil Mickelson, James Piot, who is the kid from Michigan State that went over. Brendan Steele, PGA Tour golfer, and Cameron Tringale. That sounds, oh. sounds like I actually have a chance talk to about make a, that team. Talk about a vanilla lineup. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then Dubby got Torque, so he's got Joaquin Neiman, David Puig, Arizona State player, Hispanic kid, Sebastian Munoz, and Mito Pereira. So that's like, that is probably the lifeblood of Sp- South American and Spanish golf That's right a there. good team. As good as the range goats, though. So then, Colin, you got the range goats, right? The That's new just, team. Just because I answered what kind of pattern shirt I wear, and I answered <laughs> loud. The patterns were so <laughs> complex. This is kind of like as possible. The range goats are kind of like the four aces JV team. You got <laughs> Bubba Watson, Taylor Gooch, Thomas Peters, and Harold Varner. There's a lot of swag on that team, though. A lot of, a lot Jordans. of Jordans. There's a there's a lot of swag. <laughs> HV three HV three and Bubba right being Jordan guys. Tully, who'd you get? Me and Ken both got Ripper golf clubs. We're, we're oh, with the Australian that's contingency. Who I was for. Yeah, we took Dub's favorite golfer and we, <laughs> we grabbed him real quick. So I got Cam Smith, uh, Mark Leishman, Matt Jones, and some guy named Jed Morgan that I've never heard of, but he has a great mullet. Dara also just Venmoed me $10 because she just ordered a movie about witches. <laughs> just had to share that. What's the movie? <laughs> I have no idea, but Dara's watching Halloween movies in, in February. They, uh, so, Tully, this uh, this all-Australian lineup is, it, first of all, we know the top three names. Matt yeah. Jones, you know him because he plays quick, and I don't know, he's a good golfer. But this Jediah Morgan kid's pretty interesting. You can watch him a little bit. He's really good. He won, like, some, I think it was the Australian Open or some big Australian event a year or two ago, and I got to see him win. He's got flow, just like just like Cam. So it's 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 a team that's definitely got some fireworks. I see these guys, and I see them putting on a lacrosse helmet and just having just the perfect hair coming out the back. Ben, who'd you get? Yeah, so uh, I don't know if it's just because the one question I picked, I like to hit the ball long, but I got the crushers. So I got Bryson, Paul Casey, Charles Howe III, and Honor Von Lahiri. God, I hope Honor Von wears, what was it, his pants? Oh, or, the what Easter was it? pants. The pants. pants. The Easter pants. <laughs> the Easter pants. Oh, my God. You know, but I've, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm super warmed up to the whole live thing. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm just trying to find a world where everyone can kind of coexist. Are you being sports washed? No. But yeah, what'd you do? But I do like Bryson. I don't know. I've always kind of liked Bryson, Dub's ex favorite golfer. Favorite yeah. <laughs> so even though I might not times. be fully on board with Liv, I think I can get behind Bryson. So it should be a fun week. They're playing. So they're playing Mayakoba, right? That course that classically has that like par five with the bunker in the middle and the cave. Cave. Yeah. So like kind of just more of like a spectacle for the for the spectator because it's really doesn't come into play. Like I've never seen a pro like thin a three wood into that cave. It, it's not in play, but it looks awesome. Speaking of the Dub's favorite golfer, I'm just curious who his current favorite PGA Tour golfer is so I can put like a bet in on them to go to live. I, I'm still, uh, it's an open open season for picking a new favorite golfer right now. I mean, it was, it was a tough loss 
riding with Cam through the Open Championship and then him defecting. I mean, I was in a dark place this winter, and so now I'm coming out in the spring and, and trying to keep an open mind and, and find a new favorite guy. So any PGA Tour golfer that's listening to this episode, you know, <laughs> dub's open for applications. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, my biggest problem with Liv right now, like, we're past the whole sports washing thing. It's always going to be there. But, like, they just need to stop this whole, like, cheap pot shots at the PGA Tour and these, like, press conferences. Like, Pat Perez is like, well, I'm just glad the tour's not here. There, You know, whatever he said. It's yeah. just like, just go play golf. Like, we're Shut gonna up w- and dribble. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're definitely operating under the motto of like any press is good press, right? Like any startup is like, you know, if some startup social media company got in a tiff with Facebook, that would be like their dream. Even if it was bad press, they're like, we're like synonymous with Facebook now. So that's essentially what Liv's doing. And then also like the full swing documentary really made me uh-huh. approach the decision of a lot of these guys very differently. You know, I, I think the Brooks Kepka, but him, you know, going through that struggle and it's like he truly doesn't think he's good enough anymore to compete. And so he said, I'm not ever going to get back to that point or it's like, I just don't see it. So I'm going to go take all this money and go to live. And, you know, it's it's hard to argue with that. I agree. I think Brooks comes off as like a douchebag in that in that episode. But he's the only player I've heard rumblings about, like, a guy might want to come back. back. Yeah. yeah. I think there is something deep down in Brooks that is just, like, more competitive than any golfer on the planet. So even though, I don't know, maybe he's, like, he's like I don't know. He's just having, like, a bad year. And he just, like, he was like, I suck. I'm never going to be able to compete again. And then he goes to live, and he's like, this place is a joke. So he's <laughs> like, I got to get back to the PJ. I can see Brooks coming back. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Like, yeah, if he goes out there and just absolutely dominates the live tour, I would 100% see that happening. He's like, I got my swing back. I got my swagger back. Let me go see what I can do. <laughs> I saw Liv. Was it Liv? I think Liv came out with their top 10 rankings going into this week. And they also came out with Live Golf Plus, their new streaming service. <laughs> Guess who number 10 was? Like, it was, it was you know, DJ, Cam, Bryson, Paul, or, um, Reed and and Joaquin and then guess who number ten was Chase Kepka. No, it was Peter Uline. (laughs) And then someone commented, "That's a good top nine. Like, where the hell does Peter (laughs) Uline come from there?" So that top ten does that beat the PGA Tour's top ten with Uline in there? Uline makes it close. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Oh wait, wait before we before we skip away from professional golf here, I think we have to bring a little bit of attention here to the women's game. We, we've talked plenty about how dominant Rom's been at the beginning of the season. I think Lydia Ko is right there with him. She's won her last, like, or three of her last four events or something like that. She just won this Saudi invitation, the ladies' Saudi invitational, whatever it was called, which made history because the men's event had the same purse as the women's, and, and she won it. In Saudi? And she is, yeah. yeah they've already been sports washed. That was and, like three years ago. And she is, she's cruising right now. And I think it's going to, shape up for an exciting just as we talked about you know the men's game has four kind of top guys i think you can say the same thing about the women's game too they have some clear favorites that are looking to separate themselves so it should make for a pretty exciting major season not to mention the announcement of like the replacement of like the joint event between the pga tour and the lpga that got announced this week it's like the grant thornton something now i forget what it's actually called but because of those sponsorships, I like we already know like Ricky's going to be one of the guys. Yeah, we've we've been clamoring attention. it for it for a while, and we're finally going to see a, a joint event. We got the Corda sisters already committed to it. Ricky Fowler, Tony Finau, so a couple of good 
early commitments. It'll be exciting to see kind of who commits to that going forward. Yeah, I hope we get some really good pairings for that and specifically some big names for PGA from the PGA Tour that like agree to do this. I, I think that sh- what used to be the Shark Shootout, I forget what it is now, the QBE Shootout, like they usually get a shootout. decent Oof. feel because I think the players enjoy playing like the team two-on-two kind of atmosphere. So I'm hoping that, that we get some some good matchups with PGA and LBGA that way. Did they announce where it is? I could probably still on TPC Louisiana. Mike Coba. Lydia is like my second favorite golfer. But who's first? That's convenient. But like well, I I'm on the record saying this. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm you know, I'm gonna kinda contradict myself here a little bit. As I, I don't know. I think the Lydia Sean split for me just did not settle well. There's just something that something about Lydia always moving on from her coaches when she seems to like be doing well or something. I don't know. I have and I think Sean and her, I mean, publicly it sounds like it was a mutual split. But I don't know. I don't know. There was just something that rubbed me the wrong way about their split, and I support Lydia, and I know she's amazing. And although we're talking about the similarities between the top of the PGA game and the top of the LPGA game, I think Lydia's kind of different. Like, she real dip, like, like she's Tiger Woods different. different. Like, she gets hot. Like, she's still only, like, 24 or 25. Like, if she gets hot and remains hot and doesn't go through kind of the mental struggles that we saw her go through, oh, my God. Like, it's going to be... It's a highway of wins. I mean, she's going to start dominating. I know Nelly's great, and you got Minji. Brooke Henderson's playing yeah, really well. Lots of really good golfers, but I think Lydia kind of separates herself in, in a different in a different ball game. So when yeah, talking about the ladies' game, I mean, love Lydia. I don't know. She just kind of fell out of my. It's rankings. interesting too. She just got married, I believe. Which normally in the in the men's side, they they have quite <laughs> they a drop off, and she's really elevated her game. Since <laughs> Listen, then. single ladies, if you get married, your golf game improves. Well, the LPGA. Season officially kicks off now, right? Aren't they going to Thailand? And that's like the yep. first Round official one is event. Complete. Oh my god, their yeah. schedule is outrageous. Like, yeah, they're they're traveling. Like you talk about, like PGA Tour complains about. I need a week off. Like we're going East Coast. That's all the way across the country. <laughs> like I need a break, some some time to settle down. The LPGA, yeah, they go like Thailand, Saudi Arabia, like Australia, Japan, and then they finally come back to the United States. It's outrageous. All right, let's get into non-professional golf. Whoa. We we get paid. It's like, yeah, we do make money, I guess. Don't tell anybody. Our amateur yeah. status is in jeopardy <laughs> yeah. here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But we got our That's kick our, our kickoff email for the golf league, right? Starting uh March, April sixth. Yep. Right? So we're only, you know, less less than a we're like a month and a half away. Is that Masters Week? Don't know. I mean, it's like our masters. <laughs> Might hey, as well be. hey, speaking of the masters, not to derail the golf league conversation. Again. Taste it of the, is indeed. Did masters. you see the uh, taste of the masters? The taste of the masters. <laughs> we we need someone to host this thing. I think so we, we will. can lock in our order. I think we to will get, get our, uh, our, our, our masters of gear. What yeah. is this? It's twenty four ounces of like their pulled pork, twenty four ounces of pimento cheese, and then twenty four ounces. Of something else, it's like to a make whole sandwiches. a whole hosting kit of everything you the could chips, possibly cookies, need. Foods wise, so we're yeah. gonna we're gonna need like six of those for this podcast. It's pretty outrageously table. priced. It's like one hundred eighty dollars for like three twenty four ounce things and some chips and cookies. But <laughs> we know Ben's eating all the pimento cheese. <laughs> yeah. Ben's just sit there. With it a also spoon yeah, it also says cheese. it serves like twelve to sixteen. I was like, you better think about that before you get it to us. But I'm gonna get a refund. I, not I, so the other question I had about that is. That is when you order it, it's going to come. It's not like they're like shipping Masters Week. It's just like you order it and it's here in a week, right? No, they ship no, it for Masters. They the all, they it's all pre order. Yeah. Is yeah. it all pre order? I couldn't figure that out. I did put it in my cart and try to figure it out. <laughs> Same with the Safeway app. <laughs> couldn't figure that out, yeah. Ben we accidentally sh- ordered four of them. But I think we'll definitely do that. I think we can just, yeah, I don't know how many people are going to come over wherever, wherever we do the Masters, but I think one of them would be good. Why don't we get personal kits and then we have a competition so you can finish, <laughs> finish it faster? I don't we want to. Can, can I like switch out? <laughs> I don't Any want sponsors no out there. 
we we have, we need a sponsor for that event. <laughs> Anyone out there listening wants to sponsor like a Masters food eat off contest? Yeah. <laughs> We're your guys. So what are we looking forward to this golf year? Right, we got Colin, defending champion. We got Ken. Pretty much locked in. We got a couple. Ken said in the text message, "Fuck it, I'll join." So, nice. I so mean, got, it's it's in writing. We got a couple more, a couple button. more dads probably locked in. A couple more of our dads. Tyler on the fence. I think we're like we're really working toward like a BPO takeover of this this lightest league. What What's important to note here is you know, I think Ben won in his first time coming into the league. I won my first time coming into the league. Colin won his first. I don't know what happened to Dub, but hey, I, I won the uh, two man tournament. That's true. My first year yeah, I carried you there. So I mean, we talk about <laughs> Collins. We talk about Collins sandbagging. But your guys' sandbagging <laughs> that event sets a standard. You guys shot like thirteen under two man best ball when nobody else was under par. It was outstanding. Yeah, because we were we ham and egged it perfectly. Yeah. Me and my me and my dad were like one or two under, and we came in like a like a like an outstanding second, like leaps and bounds above the field. And then Tully and Tully and Josh are literally thirteen under. Like our individual scores that day were not anything impressive, but we just like alternated holes. It's like par birdie every hole. I think they were like we were they were four or five under through three holes to start. It was outrageous. Tully, Tully, Dub. In the car driving home from that event, like, yeah, we got a whole one on par four. We did it before. We'll do it again. <laughs> Gomez. <laughs> Shot a 46. Oh, man. But I, I missed the league last year. I, I came in for the last couple of weeks, but was already long gone from the competition. So I'm excited to get back into it. I was checking my handicap today. I have a lot of really good scores that are about to drop off, so my <laughs> handicap's going to go up a few God, strokes. Such a forecast. I'll be able to compete a little. <laughs> or you're going to come in and shoot lower <laughs> scores, and it's just going to go down. We're having a new segment called Handicap Forecasting. <laughs> <laughs> How many strokes will Dove get this week? So, so, Tyler, can we get a commitment out of you? Uh, not tonight. Not tonight. Yeah. I mean, maybe a couple more Millers. I'll think about it. But All right, so how many more buckets and you'll do karaoke and commit to golf? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> But I, I think we're looking at the same kind of format this year, right? Like musket for all but one week a yeah, month. Three out of four, yeah. In a way course. So should be a fun format. Uh, I think he might try and do more in-season events. Like those are always fun to do a two-man or, you know, something like that on a weekend. Yeah, and, we get this blue-gray, or it's called, called Catoctin Club now. But, you know, there are – I don't know. I was looking at the the little, you know – card that tells you all your benefits you get with it i think we pay like 180 bucks for it throughout the year but we get five bucks off every time we play nine but you also probably getting like something like 20 bucks off every time you play 18 so it's a good excuse for us to go out and play more on the weekends but like josh said like we get more of these little mini mini events where it's like i don't know middle of june pick a saturday and everyone comes out we all put 20 40 bucks in that's a lot of fun and you play with your handicap which makes it like way more fair I love the idea, and this obviously last year is my first time in this league but being able to play the same course every single week like i feel like i know every shot i need to hit on there now it's yeah. it's great it's really hard to hit them but oh yeah i know <laughs> what i, I know need what to I'm do i can't do it it's like not a course i get bored with i don't know i thought that when so this this league i've only, i've been in for like 4 or 5 years it didn't always used to be like that it used to be you played one course for like 2 months another course for 2 months another course for 2 months so on and so forth and you never got tired because you were just transitioning courses like as soon as you got comfortable with the course new course so I thought when we went to the format where we were playing one course like three out of four weeks a month, I was going to get tired of it. I mean, I'm not sure if it wasn't musket. I still wouldn't get tired of it, but I like enjoy playing musket every week. It's just hard enough where you certainly can get birdies out there, but it's going to probably beat you up a little bit. And if it gets windy, it's tough, but I do not get tired of musket. The greens are always in great shape. The course plays a lot of fun. I played it twice last week. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the front nine, there's there's one boring hole. All the others like bring in a was lot like number, of different what number four? Four. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. 
and that's hard. Yeah, everything yeah, else hard brings hard. in like risk reward shots. You know, first hole, third hole. The par threes are both really tough, and so like you said, there's birdie opportunities out there. Yeah. But there's also doubles and triples out there lurking. I don't know. I would argue that that par three to the right of hole four is a big risk on that one. I've seemed to end up on that those tee boxes a yeah. lot. <laughs> when you're not on that hole, yeah. And then I end up again on like seven. I end up back on those tee boxes. <laughs> Musket too also has a great clubhouse for transfusions. Mm. You know, I think that's the best part about the league. I don't know why. I probably underestimated that when I was twenty. 23 getting into a golf league with a bunch of old men but that has become like my favorite part of every week is sitting around with those old old guys <laughs> right drinking a few drinks hearing all the stories and larry picking up the tab right exactly i don't have to pay for well, shit wait, 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 wait. larry picks up the tab for ben guys i haven't paid for golf or drinks <laughs> yeah. in the league for four years now you know why i like it so much i remember last year was like the first or second round that I played in this league and we sit down on that patio the sun's setting we're having a few drinks and we're sitting around with all the old guys and it's like oh you're a Detroit Lions fan name every quarterback the past 30 years <laughs> I'm like I can't and that okay, entertained those guys for those old guys were entertained for half an hour trying to name Lions quarterbacks where, where to go to college yeah, exactly <laughs> So you know, it's no, just, they they get down to where they go to high school. It's weird. It's, yeah, yeah. it's very, very. Yeah, it's it's very much our path. Like we're on that path. It's just, it's fun to see. It's like looking through like a looking glass of what we're going to be in three years. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it's so underrated to be able to sit out there. Like you got a view of the mountains, watch the sunset, sit there for four hours, drink a beer, telling stories. I mean, it's you can't really beat it. And it's yeah. Thursday night, so like you know, Fridays are important days. But generally speaking. If you're a little hungover, that's the best day to be hungover, right? Luckily, every other Friday I'm off, so some days is going to be aggressive. Holly's going to be at Musket every other week, every other Thursday till like 10 p.m. <laughs> Closing down the place, and especially because he lives half a mile away. Yeah, it's very convenient. All right, that does it for us tonight. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram, follow us at Big Players Only Pod, and make sure to check out our Facebook, the Big Players Only Facebook page. Uh, lots of new content coming there, written content, talking about different things with the PGA, LPGA, and live. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.